I would suspect most of us in this room know Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church down in Southern California, author of The Purpose Driven Life, probably one of the most well-known evangelical pastors in the country. I don't know if you heard or not, but last Saturday, Rick's son, Andrew, took his life. He struggled with lifelong depression. Christians around the world were shocked. Somehow we don't put those two together. How could this happen? The Warrens aren't alone. I couldn't resist mentioning that with the timing of what we're talking about today. Anxiety and depression are something that are rampant in our day. The National Institute of Health estimates that 26 million Americans in any given year suffer from some type of anxiety, depression, mental illness. 26 million. The Gallup poll surveying indicates that 17% of all adults in the country are diagnosed with some form of depression. The National Center for Health Statistics estimates that one in four middle-aged women today is on some form of antidepressant. To help them cope with their lives, people's expectations, the culture's pressures, family, marriage, work, being beautiful, being healthy, relationships, economics, career, and keeping that all together. Eleven billion dollars is being spent in our country every year on anxiety and depression depression medication. That's B B billion. And last year thirty four thousand people took their own life at some point during the year because of their fear and their sense that there is no way out. This is a huge issue. It is a huge issue in our country. But the reality is that it's not just out there. It's not just in the country. We are a part of these statistics. People we know, relatives, friends, co-workers, and we ourselves. It is some of us who are saying, why can't I feel better? What's wrong with me? Why can't I shake this cloud over me? It's not just one in four of them, it's one in four of us. Even if we don't mention it. And we'll talk more, but this is perhaps of all of the scars we will talk about in these five weeks, one of the least talked about in the church setting. Depression. Anxiety. It is something the church struggles with, and we're going to talk about that. But it's interesting, it's throughout the Bible. Even though we're not comfortable talking about it, the Bible is. And we'll see that. But there's so many in Scripture who cry out, Why so downcast my soul? I need to spend a little bit talking about the reality of despair. To make sure we're all on the same page and understand what we're talking about. This thing that's labeled anxiety, depression. 
it's first of all difficult because it's not easy to describe. It's not some nice, neat package that we just measure off and draw a box around and say, that's it, and we get it. People say it's like someone flipped a switch and everything went dark. My life turned to ashes. Everything is on a downward spiral and I can't stop it. My life is a car out of control and I can't get out. There is a cloud over my life every day, blocking out the sun. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's what I feel. That's the reality of depression, anxiety. And it comes from many causes. Part of what I want you to see is if you've not experienced this, it is easy to stand at a distance and look at this as something that is very simple. And with that, there are very simple answers. And I want to challenge that today. I want you to see a different perspective. Because it's not something simple. Just as those descriptions were very different, as people experience this, it looks and feels very different. And it can be caused by many different things. It can be caused by some kind of situation, circumstance, tragedy. Because by any kind of trauma that I endure, but it can also be caused by issues from my past. Some of which I may suppress and not even remember are in my past, and others I may remember them, and it still haunts me. Sometimes it may be caused by some chemical imbalance in my body. And sometimes we have no clue what it's caused by. The reality is with all our advances in science and psychology, the reality is we do not fully understand how the brain and the body and the emotions, how all of that works together. And sometimes we end up at a place we don't understand and no one can say, here's why you're here. But we're there. And our life is a cloud. The truth is, everyone's situation is different. I read one quote this week, When you know one depressed person, you know one depressed person. You don't know them all. You don't understand it all. You haven't figured it out because everyone has such a different experience. And the danger in that is, one, making simplistic, broad assumptions But the even greater danger is offering simplistic answers to an extremely complex situation. And that's why I want us to talk for a second about what this is. We all want to understand why. The person who is in that darkness wants to understand why. That's natural. There's nothing wrong with that. And we'll talk about that. But it's not just that person. It's their friends and family around them. We all want to understand why. And even if we're open to talking about it and extremely transparent, we may get some answers, we may get some understanding, we may not. But with answers or not, we may still struggle with anxiety and depression. Understanding why and gaining knowledge may not make it go away. 
not easily understood and it's not easily fixed. Does faith help? Is God the answer? If I have this anxiety, if I have this despair, is it just that I need to pray and God will take care of that? Those who have this will tell you that's the answer I get from Christians all the time. But the reality is, and this I will stretch some of you today, the reality is that depression may not be caused by a spiritual issue. And you may be very spiritual, and you may be right with God, to use our cliches, and still struggle with this. There's all kinds of people who struggled with despair in the Bible. I want us to look at just a few. If you'll grab your Bible, the first I put on... The board from 1 Kings, it's Elijah. He is one of the more obvious ones who struggled with, I will use the word depression, despair. There's a whole long story there, and it's a fascinating study in this anxiety and despair. We all know the beginning of the story because Elijah confronts Jezebel and the prophets of Baal and has this phenomenal experience on Mount Carmel. And God gives him this huge miracle and this huge triumph. And his, his ox and altar that are drenched in water are consumed by fire from God. The prophets of Baal are all killed. And Jeremiah, Elijah walks out, man, I just won the Super Bowl. And the next day he gets the word from the queen that you haven't won anything, buddy. And if you're not dead by tomorrow, I'll be surprised. And he realizes after that huge victory, there is the letdown of I haven't won at all. Evil is winning. And this is what Elijah does. He was afraid. He ran for his life. He he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. One of the key symptoms of depression. We just want to sleep. It's not just Elijah. David struggled with this repeatedly. Turn over to Psalm 31. I want to pick out three verses. In a minute we'll read a longer psalm from David. I think that's part of why we love the Psalms and why they're so popular universally is that David doesn't hold back confessing his struggles that we identify with, we we can relate to. And one of the things David freely talks about is his struggle with being discouraged and having hope. Lord, I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my body, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. And then there's Jeremiah. He's called the weeping prophet because he spends his whole life in despair. 
I want to read one of his passages about himself. And you want to talk about somebody who is in the depths. This is pretty bad. This is Jeremiah's statement to God. Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news that I was born. Who made him very glad saying a child is born to you a son. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning a battle cry at noon. Because he didn't kill me in the womb. With my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? That's pretty low. Now, I read those passages today because I want you to see that we're talking about some prophets of God, some spiritual men, some men that are said walked with God. David was a man after God's own heart, and yet they struggled with despair. They experienced those dark nights of the soul. Jeremiah for his entire life. And that's why we need to talk about this. It's not just a spiritual issue. I had to put a little humor in to lighten this up a little bit here. So we're going to talk about the 600-pound gorilla in the middle of the room. We joke about that. But for the church, the 600-pound gorilla we don't talk about is mental illness, depression, anxiety in the church among Christians. It is almost a taboo subject. Taboo to talk about and taboo to mention. We talk about all kinds of other illnesses. We pray for all kinds of other illnesses and struggles. This one is not one we talk about so much. Unfortunately, because often we view it as a spiritual failure. You just don't have enough faith. You just aren't praying right. You don't walk with God enough. You're not in step with God. If you just had a more faith, you wouldn't have this problem. And we quote Paul, who learned to be content in every situation and rejoice in all things and think we've dealt with it. But because we don't talk about this and we don't understand all its dynamics then people are afraid to mention what they're struggling with and all we have to offer are simplistic answers that don't help at all. Just perk up. Nothing's really wrong. You just got to trust God. Have more faith. Get right with God. And we're done. But we're not done if we're the person struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression. Part of the reason I mentioned Rick Warren's son is if you're watching the blogosphere at all, there was a huge outcry of criticism from Christians that there was something wrong with the Warren home. There was something wrong with their parenting. There was something wrong with that church or he wouldn't have taken his own life. There was some simple solution that somebody failed to do. 
And that's part of why the church has struggled to help people with anxiety and depression and mental illness. Because we have kept it way too simple. And sometimes it's not simple. And so the church has found itself in a place where we've not been much help. And people, and I am positive statistically, people sitting here today who are struggling with depression, maybe on medication, are afraid to say it out loud. Because somebody will judge them as not being right with God. And if they can't say it out loud, they can't be prayed for, they can't be helped, they can't be loved. Somewhere we have to talk about that 600-pound gorilla. Because one in four people is struggling with this. So how does God help us? Well, not always the way we want. And I want to start right there. Because I am trying so hard in this whole sermon series to speak truth that is real and helpful based on Scripture and the real life we face. we got to go back to Jeremiah. You, this verse may blow you away. He's, he's criticizing God. He says to God, Why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable. You are, God, you are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. Now here's the picture, Jeremiah, arid climate. There isn't a lot of water. City water hadn't come in yet. So you only had a few springs. And sometimes you had to journey quite a ways to get water. The worst thing that could happen is to have a spring that you weren't even sure there'd be water there when you got there. What you needed was a reliable spring that if I went there, I knew there'd be water. And he's saying, God, that's what you've been to me. I thought I could go to you and you'd fix this. And I'm not fixed. Now, why in the world do I read that now? It's like, thanks, Jim, I'm really encouraged here. There is a reality that not only Jeremiah experienced. That God's being with us may not look like we want it to. Because all of us are going to want to go to him and meet in that prayer room with the right three people, have the right prayer, and tomorrow I'm all better. And I'm not saying sometimes God doesn't do that, because he does. And sometimes he doesn't. But that doesn't mean he won't be with us and help us. But it may look different. And you may have your moments when you're going to pray just like Jeremiah. God, I was counting on this. And it didn't happen. What's happening? Can I count on you, God? That's really Jeremiah's question. Well, Jeremiah found out he could. Because about 10 chapters later, Jeremiah writes this. This is how he came to know God. This is God speaking. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. 
A lot of us memorize that verse, but you need to hear that verse was written by a man who struggled with despair his whole life, and he still said, but this is the God I've experienced. The God who I know has not abandoned me, the God who I know is not done with me, the God who I know still has plans for me and is giving me hope and has a future for me. All of the things despair robs us of. And yet Jeremiah found that in God he gained all those things. We need to come to God for him to help us. Before we are fixed, while we are in our dark times, to cry out to him like David, like Jeremiah, not knowing what he may do, how he may show up, anything, but to cry out and say, God, I need you. He may help you find healing. There may be anxiety in your life because of some situation or circumstance, and he may solve that situation. And that anxiety may be removed. And you will be blessed. He may not, like Jeremiah. But that does not mean he will not help you. Can I pull one verse out of the 23rd Psalm? Even though I still have to walk through this dark valley, you haven't taken that away, God. What I do know, what I have experienced, David says, is that while I walk through this dark valley, you're right here beside me. And you're helping me. You're guiding me. You're protecting me. You're comforting me. That's what David experienced. Psalm 42. This is a long passage It's fascinating to read because it is the struggle of someone with anxiety and discouragement and God's help. And you see David and his struggle. And what I loved about this passage is is how real it is. One minute I feel like God and I are making some progress and, and this is all coming together. And tomorrow I'm right back where I was. And two days more, I'm making some progress, and then I'm right back where I was. I want to read what David wrote and watch him go back and forth. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me. Saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Do you hear David's ongoing struggle? With this despair and hope, and despair and hope, he knew God was his answer. 
But that didn't fix everything right away. It was a journey that he was on and he was confident God was with him. And confident that in some way, at the end of this all, God would give him a future and hope. Just the same thing Jeremiah had found. The same way Psalm 23 ended. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That was what God had given them, that hope. I want to speak a word to the church today, and then I want to speak to those struggling with despair. And there's some things we as the church need to do to deal with this 600-pound gorilla and to offer help to those who need our help. And one thing is we need to figure this out because for many people, we are going to be God's hands, God's heart, God's help. And if we are hiding, if we are AWOL, if we're not showing up, then God can't use us. And so we need to make this no longer a taboo topic to talk about or something that people can't bring up. We need to deal with this. The second thing we need to do is we need to stop avoiding these problems. Afraid to talk about them, not really understanding, making simplistic generalizations. We need to deal with this and understand it to be able to help. The third thing we need to do is offer people a safe place. That it can be talked about here and people can say, I'm struggling with anxiety. I am on medication. I struggle with depression. I've had suicidal thoughts and they will not be labeled. They will not be ignored. They will not be ostracized. They will find acceptance and love and we care. We have to offer that to people. We need to endorse holistic solutions. And what I mean by that is the reality of depression and despair may involve many things. It may involve faith and prayer, but it may also involve Christian counseling. And it may involve a medical doctor and medication. It may involve people who are just there for presence and support and to be available for a midnight phone call. All of those things God can use as His tools to help people find answers and to cope, and maybe to overcome. We need to end the shame. When people are struggling, they will not find from us any more shame to add to their struggles. And we need to become lions, not ostriches. We need to be bold about this. Not because we're confident, but because God is with us. And we need to refuse to be ostriches who are just going to ignore those statistics. If one in four people are struggling with this, we can't ignore it. We can't put our heads in the ground. God needs us to be on the job, available for Him to use. Now, if you have this scar, how do you dance? If you face depression and anxiety, first of all, please hear me. What you are going through does not mean you have failed God. It does not mean God has failed you. And it does not mean God is done with you. That He can't use you, that He isn't interested in you. 
He wasn't done with David. He wasn't done with Elijah. He wasn't done with Jeremiah. Even though they struggled with despair. And he's not done with you. Once you remind yourself of that, and you may need to write that down, you may need to tape it to the mirror, you may need to reread that every day as you're getting up and as you're going to bed. And as you remind yourself of that, hopefully that will give you strength enough to seek wise counsel. You have questions, you should have questions, and you need to find answers. There's nothing wrong with trying to understand and find answers. Talk to a doctor. Talk to a Christian counselor. Talk to trusted friends who know you and know God and are in, for you. All of those help you find answers and get wise counsel. And as you get that wise counsel, you may find many different answers. There may be some medical answers. Those answers might involve medication. There may be answers helping you understand a childhood trauma or some other trauma in your life. There may be solutions to a current crisis. There may be sin and the pattern of sin and guilt that needs to be dealt with and confronted and change happen. You may not get all the answers you want. But the answers you get may help you in coping and help you in living life. So that you can be in a better place than you are now. Be honest with God about your struggles, about your suffering. Maybe your doubts and questioning Him just like Jeremiah did. Don't hesitate to use their words. Praying some of David's psalms are one of the most powerful prayers you can offer if you're in despair. Because David, he was there. But he talked to God. Don't run from God. Draw closer to Him. And I know that sounds maybe crazy and upside, but what better hope is there? than the God of the universe who loves you enough to die for you. He will not abandon you. He will walk with you through that dark valley. I don't know how you picture Psalm 23. Maybe you've never sat there pictured Psalm 23. I have. And when I picture that dark valley, you know where I picture God? I picture him right behind me. He's a lot bigger than I am. So he has no problem reaching around me with his arms, holding a staff, and a rod. But he's behind me. And do you know why I picture him there? Because I've learned in my own stupidity, I can try and walk through that valley and act like he's not there. I don't see him. He's there, but I don't see him. But as soon as I wonder if he's there, all I have to do is say something. God, you there? Yeah, I'm right here, right behind you. I'm here. I'm with you. So it's my choice. Do I talk to him or I ignore him? He's there. I'm a whole lot better off if I'm talking to him. And he's talking to me and I, I, I you know, then the darkness isn't nearly as scary. But I got to take that step. I got to talk to him. And he can handle our doubts, our fears, our anger, our impatience. You've seen that all from his people in the Bible. 
you see, your struggles do not have to be a wedge. That's what Satan wants them to be. He wants your struggles to be a wedge between you and God. What God wants those struggles to be is a bridge that draws you closer to God. Let those struggles be a bridge, not a wedge. Look for God. He may not be doing what you want him to do, but he's working. I promise you, he's working. All the people in Scripture, Christians I talk to today, they say, I I saw God at work. He wasn't always doing what I wanted him to do, but he was working. When I opened my eyes, he was working. Open your eyes, look for what God is doing. I played last week for the sermon on uh, abuse, a testimony. I actually have a testimony for today. We're not going to play it. I want to quote her. If you would like to see this testimony, it's about 12 minutes long. It's a young wife struggling with anxiety disorder. She's still in that journey. She's not fixed. But God has helped her get to a better place. Brad's going to, after the service is over, just you can stay here and we're going to play it. But I just didn't have time to do everything. So it's going to be available. Brad will cycle through the announcements a couple of times and let people leave. And then if you want to watch it, it'll be here for you to see. But one of the things this young wife says, it was in this dark valley that I actually saw God the most because he was there beside me. I heard from him the most in this dark valley. The valley is still dark, and she's still walking with her anxiety disorder. But I now know I'm not alone. He is with me. And I am only passing through this valley. And some point, and it may only be in the next life, But she says, at some point, I will not be sad again. And I will laugh and I will cry with joy. Because God has given me hope and a future for eternity without this despair. And so I walk through this valley, however long I'll have to walk. He will be with me. Let's pray. God, sometimes some of the struggles of life are so hard. We despair of life itself. And yet with these others, they found that in you, you have not given up on us. You have a future for us. You give us hope in you. And for that hope, for that presence with us even in the dark valley. We thank you. We cling to you. Help us as we walk in this place. In your son's name.